Right here. Right here, right here, right here. Yeah. You want him? Yeah. All right, guys, we are back. I am sorry I have been gone for, I don't even know when my last podcast was, 14 days, two weeks ago. Nice. Um, I have been incredibly busy. I've had a lot of shoots going on, a lot of edits that I am still in progress with, but I've been telling myself for the last several days I've got to do another podcast. Um, I actually left my Zoom recorder that I record my podcasts on on my last shoot and just got it back yesterday and sat down and you know kept telling myself I need to do a podcast but could not remember or couldn't I couldn't remember I couldn't think of what to talk about and then yesterday I got a call from a producer buddy of mine named Josh Bartlam who I don't if you don't know who Josh is is one of the most well-rounded producers out there he um, he produced uh, Red Arrow with Kip Campbell for years, was his main guy for a long, long time. Uh, won the Campbell Cameras Challenge, I think is what it was called, the TV Producer Challenge, where he, you know, had all these different production elements that he had to get. Um, this was, that was a couple years ago too. Won that. Extremely talented, one-man band producer, editor extraordinaire, and uh, he's recently, in the last year or two, went off kind of on his own and done some. Corporate stuff, some big business commercials, um, 30 second spots, that kind of thing. He told me that's kind of what he's really found his passion is trying to tell a really good story for a brand in 30 minutes or 30 minutes in 30 seconds. And uh, he saw that I posted something here recently with dumping some red media. With, we were on a shoot with Contra Group, who's a bunch of active duty and former Navy SEAL guys that do law enforcement training. And just some really awesome guys got to do a lot of live fire, throw some frag, uh, uh, not frag grenades, um, some flashbangs and a lot of smoke and got to film some really Hollywood-esque type stuff, which is what the, what the red camera lends itself to. And that's the question that Josh had is he's looking at upgrading or, you know, investing in a red because a lot of the clientele he's talking to kind of has this stigma to where they don't feel like they're getting their money's worth out of a project unless the person shooting it is shooting on red. Most of the time, those clients just know that that's a good camera. They don't know what it's capable of or the costs associated with it or any of that. You know, they just think that, well, we're paying for this big project. We want it shot on red. And if you don't have a red or have access to one or have the funds or the budget to rent one, then you might be out of a project just because of that stigma. But um, he asked me, you know, is it worth it for this, that, or the other? And, you know, my answer was, first of all, I, I don't own one. Drift Media, the company I'm working for now, they own, they own two, a Red Epic and a Red Dragon. And they are absolutely incredible cameras. And for the right uses and the right projects, you can't beat them. They're unbelievable. But it, the question is, is it worth it? And I said, well, and this is always the answer I get people, is it depends. It depends on a lot of things. It depends on your budget. It depends on the client. It depends on the time. Do you have time for the red because it takes extra time to film on it? Do you have 
like, like I said, the budget, you know, it's extremely expensive. You know, can you rent one? Do you have to buy one? A lot of guys rent them. I know a lot of people that rent them. So when I say it depends on what you're using it for, does your client have the, the time and the budget to pay for it, to make it worth your while? And uh, I would say if, if it's a yes, then don't go and buy one for one project. Go rent one and use it. As far as user friendliness, it's not that hard to run. I've never taken a class on it, and I've run one enough to be dangerous. Like I said, I'm not, a, I'm not the foremost expert on this by no means. <clears throat> Excuse me. But um, it's not that hard to run. It's very menu-based. It's a lot of touchscreen going through different frame rates, different compressions, and we'll talk about that a little bit later. But it is a little bit different. But if you can run DSLR and you have common sense, then you can run one. It's, it's not extremely tough. Um, I never took a class, like I said, but I think if you did take a class, you could get a lot more out of that camera that I don't even know how to get out of it. That's something that I have on my list of to-dos is to take a continuing education class which is the red class the coloring class I want to take a lighting class like I'm always I'm always trying to learn something which is why I did this podcast is I want to try and learn from other guys and I want to try and help the guys that are wanting to learn you know more kind of the, the 101 basics and I know shooting on red isn't a 101 basic but it was a question that I thought could be addressed and make a lot of sense for guys out there that might you know see that camera and want to know what it's about so kind of what I can kind of break it down is the pros and cons of that camera. And when I'm talking to pros and cons of that camera, I'm talking in reference to the hunting world. Running and gunning, being in and out of a tree stand, in a ground blind, in the elk mountains with it on a tripod over your shoulder. The everyday grind of filming the outdoor space. It is not made for that. Which none of the cameras we use, I guess I should preface, none of the cameras we use are made for that but they are better suited for it for a lot of reasons. But what I'm going to do first is I'm going to talk about the pros of that camera because it is incredible <clears throat> and it wouldn't cost as much as it does and as many big you know productions be running it if it didn't have some pros. And the number one pro of that camera is the picture that you get from it. It's unbelievable. Um, Right out of the camera, it's going to be way better than anything that you're going to get on, you know, a Sony FS5, FS7, just because of what that picture is. And when I say what that picture is, is that sensor is huge. You know, I think the Epic shoots in 5K, will shoot 4K at 120 frames. You know, it's got capabilities of things that, you know, you're not going to get on <clears throat> your normal cameras. It shoots an extremely rich format or a rich codec that is that is I think proprietary to Red. I might be wrong on that, but it's the Red the Red format, and you have to have you know special readers to to watch them back. You know that you can get from Red's website, and it's uh it's a huge format. And what that gives you is it gives you a lot more latitude in editing with the colors. With white balance, with exposure, it gives you the ability to be able to cut things out. Like if you had to rotoscope or add in graphics or change something uh, in the image on a big budget project that we, you know, we probably would never do in hunting. That big of a format and that rich of a file allows you to be able to do that. If you try and do some of the things with an FS5 or an FS7 that you can do on a red file, it's going to fall apart. It's not going to be able to 
hold up and have and still look as good as a red does. Um, I'm fairly certain, I need to look this up, but I'm fairly certain all of House of Cards is shot on a red weapon in like 6 or 8K. Um, it does a lot, it, it, it's one of those cameras that you want to light things in a way and it, it, it will make that camera that much better. And you know, if you, if you don't understand how to light things or you don't understand how to get a certain feel or a certain, I guess the psychology of filming and learning what lighting does, I would, I would invite you to go look up some YouTube tutorials on lighting, three point lighting, interview lighting. But once you light things well, that camera is freaking dynamite. And once you go into edit colors, it makes everything pop. It keeps skin tones where they need to be. You know, your highlights, you can fix your highlights. You can crush your blacks. You can you know, do all the things that you need to do that you might not can do as much of with a regular camera. Well, I say regular camera. With a camera that we're, that we're accustomed to using in the hunting world. Another thing is that camera is pretty dang tough for what it is. I think it's a magnesium or a, a aluminum. I don't know what that chrome. I don't know what the the not chrome but chromoly or whatever that metal whatever's called that that body's made out of. I think it's I want to say it's magnesium. I don't know. It's really heavy, but it's extremely tough. You, those cameras get it's the ones that we use and the ones that I've used in the past. They get beat up pretty good, but they're extremely tough. The media for them are pretty tough, um, especially for how much money they are. You'd feel They don't feel plasticky. They're very, very substantial. I mean, they're it's like holding a freaking center block. Those things are extremely heavy, which brings me into the cons of that camera. And again, when I'm talking about cons, I'm talking about cons in reference to what we use them for in the hunting world, which, like... Like I said earlier, Josh isn't necessarily thinking about using it for the hunting world. He's thinking about his corporate clients. And for what he's wanting to use it for, it will fit his needs if he has the extra time. But when we're talking about cons, the first con is that sucker's expensive. There's a couple different versions of that camera. All of them are expensive. You can buy them used. Most of the time, those cameras that you're buying used have a lot of hours on them because they have been rode hard and put up wet in a studio somewhere. I would do my research on buying a used one, but I know people that have done it, and if I ever buy one, I'll probably buy one used because I can't, I sure as crap can't afford a new one. They're extremely expensive. I think the new Red Weapon's like 35 or 45 just for what they call the brain, which is essentially just the body of the camera. You have to get lenses, batteries, viewfinders, mounts, all that good stuff, and if it says red on it, it's going to be expensive because you got because they know you got to have it, and they're marking it up, which is good stuff. Don't get me wrong, but the accessories are expensive, the mounts are expensive, the media is expensive, the batteries are expensive, and you got to have a lot of them. Which brings me to the second drawback of that camera, is it chews through batteries like crazy. We have our set on like a thirty-second timer to where after thirty seconds it'll go into a power save mode. Because if you don't, I mean, I, you might get 30 minutes to an hour out of that camera if it's on the whole time. It just, that processor is so strong and so robust on the camera, it just sucks the life out of those batteries. And we're shooting big V-lock, like brick batteries. It just can't do it. It won't, it won't handle it. And this camera has fans on it that try and keep that processor cool because it gets really hot. And if you have those fans on, it sucks the battery even worse. 
and those fans are extremely loud. Like the FS7 has a fan, and it's like really quiet to, on its processor when it when it does cut on. It's got to be really hot outside for that that fan to cut on. The FS uh, or FS7, the uh, red red uh, fans cut on all the time, and they are loud. There's no way you can hunt with the fans on. And when you turn the fans off, the camera gets really, really, really hot in your hands. So it's you know it's a kind of a trade-off, I guess. Camera, like I said, is really, really heavy. It's like carrying a cinder block. And when you're trying to tote that up a tree or over an elk mountain, it's going to let you know it's there, and you're going to you're going to hate it. In my opinion, the ergonomics aren't great, and I think they do that on purpose because they want you to buy all those accessories to make it a little bit better running it you know, shoulder holding it or hand holding it or whatever it may be, um, which it, that, that camera does much better on support, on a tripod, on a jib, gimbal, whatever. It's That's where it's made to be. It's not really, I mean, you can hand hold it, but it's it, you don't want to hand hold it long because it's so heavy. You're going to get, if you're going to get a bunch of different lenses for it, like if you want to stick with Canon lenses, then you're only going to have to buy one adapter. But if you get into buying the cinema lenses or you get into buying, you know, the red lenses, which I think are PL mounts, or you want some Nikon lenses or whatever, you've got to buy different adapters for every one of those lenses to be able to fit over that sensor. It gets expensive. Another drawback, it's a drawback and a pro at the same time. The files are huge, which gives you a lot more room in editing to do different things. But you're going to have to buy a lot more hard drives for hard drive space because the files are so big. And the final biggest one to me is unless you have a souped up, you know, Mac Pro with a 12 core processor and all the RAM you can get, that thing is going to choke your computer down big time when you're trying to edit it in Premiere. I have uh, edited several uh, short films and projects that have red in them it crashes premiere like it's its job uh, especially if you get to like me now i get to scrubbing through footage and clicking real fast and scrubbing and clicking and scrubbing and clicking you'll get to you'll get a little too click happy and premiere will just give you the spinning wheel of death and you got to restart it and just pray you saved it because i've had it to where i've lost it you know a couple hours worth of work because i start getting a little click happy and i haven't saved which I don't trust the autosave on Premiere. I've had it freeze my computer up, screw things up too. So I actually turn my autosave off because I'm such a Nazi about uh, hitting my command S button all the time. And that was one of those times that I guess I got in the groove because sometimes when I'm editing, I'll get in the groove and just kind of, you know, nose down, you know, go and getting, you know, get, got songs picked out and I'm editing and going. And one of those times I just hadn't saved in a while and get a little click happy and get that beautiful Mac spinning wheel of death and uh, crash and have to do about another hour's work. And that really kills your groove when you have to start all over and your freaking project dies on you. But anyway, um, that workflow, when you're trying to edit in it, you have to turn down your uh, your view, your, your canvas viewer and your preview viewer in Premiere. You have to turn those down when I say turn down, you have to turn down the resolution. Like there's a little button bottom right hand corner that's like full quarter, half, eighth. I have to turn them down to a quarter and eighth uh, resolution just so I can play the footage back and be able to watch it real time without it, you know, choking the computer down to where I can scrub through footage and find the clip or the you know spot in the clip that I want 
and being OCD like I am, I hate that because I like being able to watch the footage back in full resolution. So when I'm, you know, playing my, you know, my final canvas out and everything's like a little pixelated or it looks like it's shot in standard definition and it's really red footage, so really that's the only way you can watch it back in real time and try and get timing down and this, that, and the other until you render it. And then when you render it, you can watch it back, but it's going to take you a little while to render it, like I said, unless you have a really robust machine. My machine, I'm running an iMac i7 processor. I think I got 32 gigs of RAM. I mean, it's a pretty pretty stout computer, and it struggles with a lot of red. It doesn't like it at all. But, like I said, when you're using a red, you have to factor in more time. More time for shooting because your batteries and your media changes it chews through media, it chews through batteries, and then on your workflow, it's gonna take longer to edit it. It's just going to. But if the end result is more beautiful and looks better and is richer, and that's worth it to the client, then it's absolutely worth it. But you just need to know that going in. Is the red practical in the hunting world? There are several guys out there that are running them. Um, we run two of them. Uh, there's a couple other productions that I know that have one. For certain things, they're absolutely worth it. What we mainly use ours for is not necessarily running gun shooting, but when we're shooting a film or a hunt or a fishing show or whatever it may be, is we will stay with our main running gun cameras, which is an FS7, FS5, and we'll get the bulk of the main content, the talking, the running, the hunt, the kill, the catch, whatever that is. And then once we get that, we'll take the reds and we'll go back and we'll get the really pretty filler things. The pretties, as we call them, the you know the 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 stereotypical sunburst, the the beautiful light in the morning, the last thirty minutes, the golden hour at night. We'll go and we'll really blow those sections out with the red because we know they're going to look that much better, and we'll use that to make the highlight of the scenics and the B-roll, and we'll use that to put that project over the top. We use that our run-of-the-mill Sonys to get the bulk of our content and we use the red to make it pretty. That's what the main the main way we use it. Works out well for us because we're not having to edit entire projects in red and it makes it to where we can keep those reds to a minimum usage in the field to where we're not running them all day or having to hold them all day and it makes it it makes it workable, makes it usable because if you had to run it all day you couldn't keep batteries fed for it. You couldn't keep media fed for it. It's just, and God, I don't. The, the the hard drive space would just be astronomical. I think the biggest thing with the red, though, is once you start getting into the corporate world, that stigma, you know, is you might not get a client because you don't have that camera, and most of the time they just want it because their competitor had it or their brother-in-law told them it's a nice camera or whatever. They wouldn't know the difference if you shot it on FS7. But we also don't want to be dishonest and tell them that it's a, you know, tell them it's a red and it's not. But I don't know. That stigma's kind of not not to get don't get me wrong, you can do some amazing stuff on the FS7, A7S2, and all that good stuff. But like I said a couple times, if your client demands it, it's one of those things that you kinda of have to do it. You know, you kinda of have to get that camera. But the great thing about that is when you have that camera and your client's demanding it, guess what you get to do? You get to charge more. You get to charge more for the time, more for the gear. Uh, guys that have them that re freelance with them are charging 1000 to $1,500 a day 
uh, some, some even more than that, to have a red on site. Essentially because what you're doing is you're charging not only a day rate for you to be the camera operator, but you're charging a day rate for the camera. You're essentially renting them the camera for the day and you're running it. And some I know some guys that just rent their cameras. They don't, they don't go and run them. And I know a couple other ones that have them that don't want anybody running their camera. They, you know, if you want their camera, you get them too. You know, it's, I don't know. It's kind of a, it's kind of a scary feeling to hand somebody a, you know, 30-ish thousand dollar rig and let them be responsible for it for a day or so because you don't know how people are treating it. But anyway, um, you can charge more. It's that is another that's a perk to it. I should, probably should have put that in the comp, the pros. Is you can, if you own that camera, you can absolutely charge people more. Knowing how to run it is there's a little bit of a learning curve. Like I talked about, there's a, there's a setting on that camera that's called compression, and you can tell the camera how compressed you want the file to be, and you can make that file bigger or smaller, and how much detail you want in that file. That takes a little bit of getting used to. That's not something that you can do on the FS5 or the FS7. It shoots in all kinds of frame rates from one frame a second to I don't know how many frames a second that Epic will shoot in. I think it shoots in like 240 or 400 or something stupid. But main, you know, the main, you know, the main frame rate we stay in is in 24 frames a second or 2398, and uh, we use that for our real time and anything that has audio that we need or talking or interviews and then we'll shoot a lot of our really pretty stuff in uh, 4k 120 frames a second uh, it just looks better that camera does a really good job with it um, another another con I did talk about is audio for that camera sucks it doesn't have you have to get an adapter for XLR inputs otherwise you have to use the mini plug and it just doesn't feel professional for some reason to me it's just kind of another OCD thing but um Another really thing that I, another hard lesson I had to learn with the red is when you're importing it into Premiere, you have to import it a certain way or you get all these, I think they're called proxy files. And essentially what it is is it's duplicates of the same file and a bunch of file structures and crap you don't want in your timeline. And it takes you so much time just to get your 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 bin organized to be able to start editing. Um, it's not unless you do it right, you have to take all this extra time to clean it up. And the way that I figured out how to do it, and if you've had this problem, this is the way to fix it. Create your bin in Premiere, name it, whatever it is, card one, card two. Go into your drive through Media Browser. You can only go through Media Browser. Go through Media Browser, find the card, click on the card, and wait for the individual red files to pop up in the Media Browser. And then you import those individual red clips. You just Command A into all those, and then right click Import and you'll bring all of those into your bin and they'll be just like they're supposed to be. They're not going to be a bunch of duplicates, a bunch of folders and file structures and crap you don't want. That's the only way I've found to do it in Premiere to where it does it exactly how I want. It takes a little more time, but you're, it's going to be less time than trying to clean up the the other way of doing it, which is just file import, pulling in the whole folder and it's just a it's just a mess. But um I know this was kind of a uh different topic. But uh, I thought it would be something good to talk about and something different to talk about, especially because I, I, I couldn't make up my mind on what other topic I want to talk about. I've got several ideas of things I want to do, but I haven't 
Ugh, haven't made up my mind. I'm trying to keep this podcast kind of more the cameraman 101 type thing, the the beginners, you know, how to stay organized, you know, how to organize your footage, how to pack, how to, you know, how to approach a trip, you know, this, that's type stuff. I've got a bunch of ideas on my phone and some of them are a little more in depth where I really need to take time and write some notes and make sure I don't forget things, which I try and write notes before I do any one of these. But, um, I encourage you to email me or get on Instagram or I'm working on trying to get a Facebook page going. I just got a social, I hate social media. I, lo- I love it and I hate it at the same time. But, um, if you have any questions, comments, concerns, good, bad, or ugly, let me know. Please, uh, if you're listening to this on iTunes, uh, please go and rate. I'm told that that is a great way to get this podcast um, in front of more eyeballs, which I know this is a niche market anyway, or a niche market, however you say it. I know uh, that there's only a you know certain amount of listeners who are going to listen to outdoor hunting media or content creation or whatever you want to call this space, but... I think it's. I think there's enough guys out there that can learn something, and you know that's the whole reason that I do this is I want to help guys that are coming along that have questions as well as I want to learn myself. Um, I've just kind of as I've gotten older and essentially discovered podcasting. Uh, I, I just want to learn constantly. I want. To, I'm, I'll never claim to be the best. Like on this red stuff, I know enough to be dangerous, and I know enough to give my opinion on what I use it for, but. I want to learn all the time and constantly get better. And uh, this has helped me do that. And it's helped me, you know, I listen to, I don't listen to the radio anymore. All I listen to is podcasts. Now, you know, if, and if you're looking for other podcasts to listen to, which obviously I want you to listen to this one, but um, if you're looking for some other ones to listen to, Joe Rogan's always a good one, you know, depending on who he's talking to. I don't really like the MMA ones. I'm not an MMA fan, really. Or not, not, not a fan, it's just not. It's not my forte. I mean, I'll watch it, but I'm not going to get, you know, all tore up about which I'm also not a sports guy. I mean, I played baseball in college, but I don't really watch sports. I don't have time. I don't watch football. Could care less about college football, and I know that's blasphemy to a lot of people, but that's hunting season, man. I don't care about football when it's hunting season. I don't care about really anything but my family and getting my work done and hunting and hunting season. That's only – that's really the only care I have. You can all your football talk. You can just you can have that. That no desire whatsoever. I could not tell you the last football game I watched more than a quarter of. And that's and the crazy thing is my wife enjoys watching college football. She'll watch the heck out of some college football. I could care less. But um, there's some other great great podcasts. I went down a rabbit trail there for a second with football because I get I get fired up about that because people get so tore up about it. But um, uh, another one I just started listening to is Hardcore History with Dan Carlin. He makes history extremely interesting. He seems like a really awesome dude. Learned a ton of stuff from him just in the couple of podcasts I listen to, and most of them are like nine hours long. So, you know, you go on a long trip or you start one and just pick it up um, and just listen to it, which th- that's the great thing about podcasts. And this medium is, you know, that mind-numbing time that you have in the truck, and I spend so much time in the truck, and I've done a couple podcasts from the truck, is you spend so much time driving, or you spend so much time behind a computer, or whatever it is, running, working out, whatever, those times you can be used, you can use that to learn. You can use that to make yourself better, and that's what I've discovered, is there's so many people out there, way smarter than I am, 
that are giving away their knowledge and they're giving it to you. Why not take advantage of that? Why not look at a different perspective on maybe an issue that you may or may not be 100% sold on? Why not learn about history so we don't repeat itself? Why not listen to other filmmakers? Why not listen to uh, somebody completely out of your comfort zone to try and learn something from them? Because if we're not learning, then we're dying. You know, If we're not learning, then somebody's passing us. And that's another thing that I worry about all the time is somebody passing me because there's so many guys in this industry that are that are hungry and eager. But the problem with people in this industry for the most part is they either don't have a work ethic or they are stuck in what they want things to look like and they won't listen to, you know, good constructive criticism or they can't edit any other way but the way they know how or the way they were taught. So, and that's something I struggle with. I, I don't ever want anything that I that I do to look like something else that I did. I don't want people to know, hey, yeah, Caleb edited that or Caleb shot that. I want it to be its own living thing, I guess, is a good way of putting it. I don't want it to ever be a, a template that I put it into. Um, but with that, I have to constantly be learning. I have to stay on top of technology. Um, and I've really enjoyed getting into this podcast and doing that. I mean, heck, this is episode 16, I think. Um, and I just did this kind of as a, been thinking about it forever, and I've enjoyed doing it, um, even though I've screwed up half of them and probably sound like an idiot to whoever's listening. But um, anyway, if you are listening, I appreciate it. Uh, if you have any questions, comments, concerns, good, bad, or indifferent, like I said, I don't care. I just want to know. I want to make it better. I want to help as many people as I can. Uh, our Instagram's at Redneck Tech Podcast, and the email is rednecktechpodcast at gmail.com. I'm going to try and continue to stay on top of it, doing at least one of these a week, hopefully more than one a week if I have the time. But we've got ATA coming up, uh, what, three weeks from now? Yeah, three weeks from now. And I've got a couple of friends of mine that I'm going to try and pin down and get some podcasts in with them there. I might try and do two or three there. Uh, I know a question I get all the time, and I don't like talking about it, is because I don't do it and I'm not good at it, is the self-filming thing. And um, I'm pretty sure my buddy Casey Schutman is going to be there, and he is, in my opinion, one of the best, if not the, the best out there, because he's been doing it forever. He kills some awesome deer in Illinois. Um, he produces uh, the Management Advantage. He films most of that himself. He's incredibly talented and is a freaking ninja when it comes to self-filming and killing coyotes. Dude's a, he killed more coyotes than Parvo. But um, I'm going to try and pin him down. I'm going to try and pin Walt Gabbard down if he's there. I don't know if he's going to be there. I haven't even asked him yet. And try and get him to talk about filming waterfowl since last podcast I talked about how much I hate it. It's probably because I haven't done it a ton. I've done it a decent amount, but not a ton. But there's nobody done it better than Walt has. And I want him to talk about it, kind of his do's and don'ts and some of his ideas. I've also got a plan to do one with Tim Inslee. Um, he's also, he has just recently gotten a hold of an old podcast that used to be really, uh, really popular and he's trying to revamp it. I don't know if he wants that announced, so I'm not going to say what it is, but uh, I'm going to try and get him on. He does a lot of self-filming as well, a lot of solo hunting with the Living the Brand um, thing that he does. Uh, he's all over the place. He's been doing the uh not necessarily freelance, but he's doing the outdoor video thing for a long time, filmmaking. Uh, I'm going to get him on, try and talk with him, and 
hopefully y'all learned something. Hopefully I learned something. And we will have our first guest because I've not done the guest thing yet because honestly, um, not really, I think I know how to do it with this Zoom. It's not that hard. There's two inputs. I got one input for my microphone, put another input for their microphone, and I guess we start talking. So I just haven't done it because I frankly I haven't had time. But um, that's the plan. Hopefully I get to do half of that stuff. Hopefully I don't tease it uh, and then not get to do it. So, um, yeah, let me know. Rate, good, bad, or indifferent. I don't care. Just tell me, and I will see you guys shortly.